Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ball Caps and Bagpipes, a Scottish baseball podcast. I'm former Glasgow Comets outfielder John McKellar. And I'm Scottish Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Durr. Jason, you're coming from Sweden tonight, is that right? I am. I'm with the in-laws, so we're in the middle of nowhere in Sweden right now. Um, I think we call it a hamlet. There's about 150 people in the area. So, that sounds yeah, like so. my kind of place. Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's definitely relaxing. Uh, no snow. It's cold, but no snow yet. Better Wi-Fi there than in the man cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit better than man cave. A bit warmer than man cave as well, too. Wow. <laughs> so this uh, is in all likelihood going to be the last episode, certainly of 2019, and quite possibly will be the last one until about spring training time. Um, maybe the season finale of the first season of uh, Ball Caps and Bagpipes, unless we can somehow manage to squeeze in another episode. Um, we have a fantastic guest on today, the uh, manager and uh, catcher for the three times defending uh, Scottish baseball champions, the reigning Caledonia Classic holders, the Glasgow Galaxy, Mr John Tafe will be joining us very shortly. Um, before we do, uh, let's talk about some free agents. Right, yeah, we've had a couple of big names signed so far. We've had Garrett Cole. Uh, curious what your opinion is on that for you being a Yankees fan. Well, as you know, as Yankee fans, we wanted Cole for Christmas and we got what we wanted. Um, I couldn't be more thrilled with that. Um, the dollar amount is higher than I think even Hal Steinbrenner was, was ready to, to, to shell out. Um, but I think it was going to be what was going to be necessary to, to bring him to the Bronx. Obviously, his agent, Scott Boris, is known for being quite ruthless that way um, and will get his client the biggest amount of money um, and the, the exact years that they're looking for more than anything else. So the fact that Garrett Cole uh, with the sign and, and things he was saying at his press conference, it was all great. It was quite poetic and it made me more happy that, that, that I already was that he was a Yankee. Um, but none of that would have meant anything if Scott Boris hadn't gotten the, the bottom line that he wanted from the Yankees. So I'm pleased that the Yankees have gone that extra mile. I'm also pleased that I don't have to pay his wages. <laughs> I'm glad it's not my money. Um, but nine years, $324 million. Apparently there is an option for the Yankees to veto his, uh, his opt-out, which I believe is after season five. And yeah, add a five year off. To add a ten year, uh, a tenth year at thirty six million dollars. Um, so I mean, the guy's only twenty nine. He's probably the best pitcher in the universe right now. I'm very happy with that. Uh, so it was interesting. It came up because uh, during the last week, maybe two weeks ago, we had uh, in my daily uh, uh, baseball post, um, Kevin Brown had signed the first hundred million dollar <laughs> contract. <laughs> And I know previously we we'd had we had Nolan Ryan was the first million dollar player, and and, and we started a discussion on Instagram to see what would Nolan Ryan get in his prime, how how much more would he get than Garrett Cole, or would he get less of him? Um, I think that Nolan Ryan in his prime, if he were if he were around now, he would have to be at least at least a forty million a year pitcher, quite possibly forty five. It would be interesting because I said he signed with the Astros. I think it was nineteen eighty or eighty one, mm. and he was the first million dollar uh, a year player or pitcher. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it was player. So, um, so you got to think that was in his prime. He was making a million in nineteen eighty. So yeah, fast forward forty years later, you know <laughs> he's going to make forty times the money. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Um, inflation really has gone crazy in the last thirty years. Um, no, it's not. So 
uh, there was collusion uh, back in the 80s. And, and that's what was keeping salaries down. So I think it was uh, Andre Dawson in 1987 um, basically showed up the Cubs spring training and said, pay me whatever. I'm going to play for you guys. Uh, I think he was only paid a half million for that season um, because, yeah, the teams are colluding with each other to keep the salaries suppressed. And then after that, uh, salaries were on the rise. And you start seeing the $1 million, $2 million, $3 million players. So that's uh, inflation the- played, played to it. Yeah, but it was a... Um, there was definitely some collusion. This is interesting. This is uh, something I did not know about um, from the 80s. Um, That's a wee bit before, obviously, when I became a fan of baseball. Um, My memories, uh, or not my memories, but the the kind of the video and stuff that I've seen of the 80s is kind of stuff like the the Pintar game and obviously Pete Rose winding down his career and and all that. Um, That's interesting. We'll need to cover this uh, collusion by owners uh, in a bit more detail in a future episode, I think. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, if you, especially last year in the free agency, how it was really slow. You, you heard people talk about collusion. Um, yeah, 1986, 1987 was when they really started referencing that the owners were actually colluding to keep salaries down. And, and after that, that's when you saw the explosion of, of salaries. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, Mr. Cole will be uh, mighty comfortable for the next 10 years. <laughs> Uh, you know, thirty million a year, for thirty-five million a year, you're gonna have to figure out to spend it on something. You know, a new house every year. Yeah, <laughs> or 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 just a new gift every year for Luke Voigt in exchange for the number. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> please let me keep the number, Luke. Uh, that'll be a, another dodge, please. Um, so he will be wearing number thir- uh, number forty-five, uh, which is interesting because obviously that was Luke Voigt's number. Now I noticed that there was a lot of talk about. Will Voigt give him the jersey now? To your understanding, how much control does a player actually have over that? So once the the number is yours, you can do whatever you want with it. So some people request um, money, or some people request watches or cars. I think my favorite was uh, John Cruck was playing for the Phillies, and somebody was traded over and had John Cruck's number, and he gladly gave it to him for a case of beer. <laughs> that sounds like John Cruck. So yes, so, so you know, once the player has their number, they 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 they're allowed to change it. Um, and obviously, if someone comes, you can you can basically negotiate what you want for your number there. So, um, but yes, I think my my John Cuck is probably the best one. He said, "Nah, the number doesn't mean much to me. You give it to me for a case of beer, and it's yours." <laughs> That's interesting because obviously different players would have different attachments to their numbers for various reasons. Um, let's move on to uh, other free agent signings. Obviously, Steven Strasburg stayed uh, with the Nationals. Like he signed what at the time was the all-time record for a pitcher for a few hours. Um, was that uh, two hundred and forty-five million? Am I right in saying? I believe that you're correct on that. Yeah, I think the record yeah. lasted all of what twenty-four hours, twenty hours. I think something something around uh, eighteen to twenty hours when Garrett Cole finally uh, signed with the Yankees. Um, so Strasbourg stays with the Nationals. Uh, does that mean that they are still a team to beat? I think so. I think as long as you have uh, Corbin, Strasbourg, and um, Scherzer as your top three pitchers, I think you're going to be uh, in the running no matter what. So I mean, you only need three pitchers uh, through the playoffs these days. So um, yeah, I would see the Nats still have a, a good chance of repeating. And uh, Zach Wheeler, I believe he ended up with the Mets. Did he resign with the Mets? I didn't actually see if he had resigned or not. Someone who did move, who I was absolutely gutted by, was uh, Mr. D.D. Gregorius. He is now a Philly for a year. 
Yeah, but that's uh, why. What's your attachment with Didi? Um, right. So after Cheetah retired in twenty fourteen, that was there were there were huge shoes to fill at shortstop, and Didi more than filled them. He became an iconic player in his own right, and uh, I think it's hard not to grow. Uh, might attach to DD for that. Obviously, he didn't perform well last year. I think I think he batted two thirty six, but that's coming off a of Tommy John surgery and uh, having seen limited playing time. So, in the one hand, yes, I can understand why he's left. Uh, we have Glaber Torres; he can move to short. He's naturally a shortstop. We have DD uh, DJ Lemayhew; uh, he will play second. We're fine as a, as a, as in terms of the actual players we have still left over, but. From a sentimental standpoint, it's, it's sad to see DD go. Uh, it would be weird, weird seeing him in a Reds uniform, but I think uh, that ballpark might be suited to him. We might see him hit a bunch of home runs there. Uh, he's tiny. Oh, it's the Phillies he went to. Oh, Phillies. Oh, yep. sorry. Which is Phillies. also which is also where Mister Zach Wheeler ended up. Uh, I was wrong. Where... He didn't sign back with the Mets. He went to Philadelphia. Do, do those two additions make the Phillies a much improved team alongside, obviously, Joe Girardi taking over as coach? I think they bounce back. I think they're it's it NL East will always be interesting, you know, with the Braves, Mets, Phillies in there. Um I don't think anyone has to worry about the Marlins for another decade or two. Um, <laughs> you never know. But you know, um besides Anthony Rendon going to the Angels, which doesn't help my Mariners at all, um the big trade was Corey Kluber going to the Rangers. Yeah, though that was kind of a head scratcher for me. Do you think that this makes the Rangers more of a competitor, or what, are they just looking for some fancy names to add to their new ballpark? I, I, well, that well, anything that not talk about the ballpark catching on fire already. Um, they not having had their first game and it's already caught on fire. Yeah, so a good start. <laughs> um, I, I think it makes the NL or AL West even more competitive with. Uh, obviously, Rendon going to the Angels, and now with them with having Trout, Otani, um, their pitching really suspect. But you know, I guess if you have enough defense out there, you'd be fine. Um, the Rangers, I still think of them as a 500 ball club, even with Kluver in the lineup. But um, yeah. but yeah, this means my Mariners get beat up on <laughs> again, <laughs> or they'll beat the shit out of each other, and the Mariners will slip in through the back door. No, I'm not counting on that one at all. Oh, have some faith. Have some faith, Jason. Uh, yeah, can, can you name more than three players on the Mariners roster right now? I mean, well, I could exactly. try. <laughs> I, I could try. <laughs> I, I could barely name three players, and then, but there's a good chance that uh, they've been traded already just on the conversation that's been started. Yeah. Um, well, they are in re- a rebuild mode. Um, they're quite a, I mean, they're a long way away from the 2001 Mariners and being back there. Um don't know I what know. else to tell you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I'm living on nostalgia there. Funny enough, I actually just bought a 2001 All Star jersey, um, so I got looking forward to that showing up. So. Interesting, the 2001 All Star game, as we covered before, holds a lot of sentimental uh, value to me because it was the second ever baseball game I ever watched in the first All Star game. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll have to see if I can find you a, a jersey. I, I know I saw a Derek Deezer, Jeter one, but I'm not dropping 200 quid for you to get a Derek Deezer All-Star jersey. For <laughs> I know it's Christmas and all, but I, I'm a bit of a Scrooge. <laughs> see, what you're forgetting is I can edit this and make it sound okay. Said <laughs> anyway, um, has there been any other major kind of signings or moves? 
I, I think that's it for the moment. It's been a good off season. I, mm-hmm. I'm glad to see the winter uh, winter off season's been busy. That people have been moving. Uh, it's not not like last year where everything kind of waited till days before spring training started. So um, I'm glad to see things are moving along. Fine. Yeah, and not just in a player capacity, but also for the league and stuff as well. You've got Rob Manfred uh, announcing the three batter minimum for uh, pitchers. Um, but we won't go into that uh, here. I think we'll probably we'll talk about that. I think in depth next season. Yeah, we'll um, definitely have a discussion about the new rules that are implemented for yeah. next season. Some of them, okay, they make sense. Some of them are kind of starting to get a bit silly, in my opinion. But we'll leave it there and we'll uh, discuss it a bit more um, next year. Uh, how about we get our guest on for today? And we're joined by John Tafe of the Glasgow Galaxy. Now, how are you doing, John? Yeah, really good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks very much for joining us um, today. We wanted to have you on like we've had uh, in the past few episodes and just get you to talk about the 2019 season for the Galaxy. It's been another tremendously successful one for you, probably, if anything, your best yet. Um, I believe you guys finished with a 16-2 record and you swept the board uh, with regards to trophies. You won both the league and also the Caledonia Classic, the first team to ever do the double, so to speak, in Scottish baseball. Um, So why don't you talk us through um, what progress you feel that the team have made and um, really what, what progress can you guys still make at this point? Yeah, I mean, we're, we were 16-2 and two and that was that was awesome, but it, it probably sounds better than it was. I mean, it was a pretty tight season for most of the way. Um, up until probably the last couple of weeks, throughout the whole season, you know, the, the top of the table was pretty tight between us and I think Giants had a run at it. Express had their had their run. Cannons were right there the whole time. So it was, you know, pretty tight most of the way. It was really just in the last couple of weeks that we kind of pulled away a little bit. So it was a great season. Uh, but uh, like I said, I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like we really ran away with it um, the way the way it maybe looks in the uh, in the stand. Now this season was the third straight year that you guys have won the title. Is this? You you took over in 2017, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Jason uh, Stott, uh, who had a had a wee boy then, so um, he handed the reins over to me for that year. I'd, I've been on the team for two years, uh, so this this was my fifth year in 2019. Um, and I uh, yeah, I took over the reins, and then Jason sort of came back the next year, and we've been we've been doing kind of more of a co-managing thing, sort of the last. Now, how do you keep the guys motivated having one? the title, won it again, and now you've won both the, the league and the cup double. How do you keep the guys motivated to keep winning? I mean, the guys the guys are just motivated themselves, you know. Uh, I think we've been quite lucky because we've had a uh, – we have a great, a great core group of guys who've been there for a few years. And so, um, you know, they, they really the, – the, the team really manages itself in, the, in that these guys know exactly what they're doing. And they go out there, you know, every week. And they, a lot of the guys are coming really regularly to all the practices. And so, you know, we, we just go out um, and kind of do our thing every week. Um, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, this, this past year, we had some, an influx of some rookies too, which really helped us. You know, we, we were, uh, you know, about halfway through the season, we got like three or four new people onto the team. And it kind of, it kind of gave it a great spirit for like the, the second half of the season. Because I want to say, you guys have a really good group, a core group. I want to say the core four of you, Luke, Jason, and um, oh, well, yeah, well, name. we got 
we got Jim, who's who's there, and Louise. Jim Zr, yes. You know, Mike Sweeney's there, and Andy Sweeney, mm-hmm. Ali. Uh, we joined by Jacob the last couple of years, which was which was huge for us. Um, you know, but then we we got other guys too, especially this year who who came along. Uh, you know, Fiona, Ralph, Rory, uh, Callum. You know, a bunch of bunch of guys who came, and when they came, they showed up every week, and that that always makes a big difference. You know, if you can get guys kind of motivated quickly. And then they, they just want to, you know, come every week. Obviously winning's fun. So that helps too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, I, th- I think we got a good spirit. I don't know what it looked like maybe from the other side, but on our side of the bench, we're having a good time. I said, yeah, I said uh, winning's obviously fun. Um, but I was to say, uh, you know, are the guys learning a lot on the bench there? I mean, that was always one of the things when, when I was playing was trying to get the new guys up to speed and, and teach them part of the game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one thing we've we've done better the last few years is to try to kind of keep everybody in the game all the time. So we've started to do more of the kind of little things like just kind of talk the game, you know, through the whole game. So I, you know what? The one thing that's helped a lot is 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 somebody on the bench keeping score. Um, we started mm-hmm. doing that on paper, you know, a few years ago, and these last just really this last year we started doing it, um, you know, through the app. And it's just, it really helps. So there's somebody on the bench keeping score and there's usually somebody else maybe helping them. So there's two people on the bench who aren't just kind of sitting there twiddling their thumbs. They're actually involved in the whole game. And so mm-hmm. they're, they're thinking about the game. You know, they, they know everything that's going on. And so it's just little things like that, making sure people know how many outs there are, make sure they know who's coming up the next inning, make sure they know like what they did last time. So stuff like that's really helped. And it kind of shows that, you know, everyone's there to kind of, you know, help us help us win the game. And even if you're on the bench, you can help out. Oh, absolutely. So from a coaching standpoint then, John, how do you, on a personal level, keep motivated? How do you kind of, how do you stay in the game and make sure that uh, from a coaching standpoint that you're still picking out weaknesses and helping people to develop when, when you guys are winning so much? I mean, you guys have won um, probably a total of roughly around 40 games in the last uh, two, three seasons. Uh, so, how do you, as a coach, can keep uh, keep people on their toes? I you know it helps that we've got the a bunch of other guys too who help out a lot. So guys like Luke, who um, I think this was his third year in the league. Um, you know, he's a, he's a guy who's you know knows a lot about the game. You know, he's our starting pitcher, so obviously he has a leadership role when he's on the field. But you know, when it comes to like the practice and stuff, he's helping out a lot. Um, you know, we got guys like Jim and obviously uh, Jason Stott, who, who's, who's the co-manager. And, you know, these guys just, just help, you know, motivate everybody sort of all the time. And kind of like, you know, hopefully they see, you know, new guys see what everybody else is doing. And they just kind of learn, learn that that's the approach to the game. Um, you know, when it, comes, when it comes to trying to get everybody in the field, it's always a challenge. You know, when you're, when you're trying to be competitive and you're trying to, um, especially as you get into those really, really critical games and you're, you're looking at like cup games and stuff like that. But we always try to get them do the best and try to get everybody some playing time. Um, but the key is making sure guys show up to practice. You know, guys who show up to practice are the guys who then just just end up being better on the field. So, yeah, no, it was, uh, <clears throat> that was always the hard part was getting people to show up and buy into it, knowing that, um, it, you know, my approach was always say it's going to take you two years <laughs> to get decent. So yeah. so show up it was always like okay right you're gonna suck and it's gonna you're gonna suck a lot but i always would tell them that if you failed seven times out of ten you're a hall of famer and, yeah and that you 
but was able to get people to keep coming back and go, look, it, it, no matter what I do, I was chatting to somebody who'd reached out on Instagram to me and I was just like, he's like, oh, I want to play, but I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, no, just show up, get there. You're going to suck. You're going to suck for two years <laughs> and they'll be all right. Though. Yeah. I also think um, we, we've had a lot of like um, focus on defense the last few years too. And I think that helps with new people because I think a lot of, you know, if you're completely new to the game, obviously that's one of the big differences between here and in the States is a lot of the people who are playing are picked up the game later in life. Um, you know, they're, they're, we don't have a lot of players now who are Scottish who started when they were younger. Most of them have started sort of at best in their late teens, usually in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can teach them some fundamentals of defense, then they can become really useful and they'll get lot and they'll get their playing time because that's really what you need guys to be able to do is to be able to, you know, win it in the field. I think probably get bored with me saying that, but I'm always saying that that's where the game is going to be won and lost. It's going to be won and lost in the field. Um, and I think that's something we've improved on over the last few years, just like kind of playing quite simple in the field, you know, playing within ourselves. And I think, you know, when guys see that and they, they see that actually the game can be quite simple. And if you just learn a few basic things and you get confident with them, and then it's just going out and repeating that, you know, you can suddenly like become, you know, really useful, useful player to, to, to a team. No, I would have to, I would have to completely agree with John there. I know that uh, in a lot of Derby games that the two Glasgow teams have played in the past couple of years, it has been whoever will blink first from a defensive standpoint that will end up going on to lose the game. Um, I think across Glasgow, that is a philosophy that's shared between the clubs as a kind of defensive first mentality. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that is that is, and it's and it's the kind of thing that if you take somebody who's maybe new to the game, you can just sit with them and and do a lot of repetitions. You know, you can sit there and hit them, you know, ground ball after ground ball after ground ball until they eventually, you know, get sick of it. But you know, they're 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 learning the basics of that over and over again. And we've just we've just scheduled our indoor training, and that's the kind of stuff we're going to do there. You know, you can't do a lot of um, a lot of hitting or you know, plays because we don't have a big space, but we can do is we can, you know, get back to the basics on how you feel the ground ball, um, how you, how you pivot, how you throw, and we can get everybody just back repeating that over and over again and get that sort of muscle memory into people, especially the ones who are new to the game. But even if you're not new to the game, it's the kind of thing that everybody just needs to get back to at the beginning of the season and just start from the basics all over again. Yeah. I mean, it's always good to start off slow in the winter, get out of the basics going. Cause you know, it's uh you only have a limited amount of time. You got to get definitely stretched out, warmed up. And then when it comes to actually be outside, you know, you're ready to go and extend things and actually see some live pitching and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think though, you know, we, we were just really lucky in terms of uh, a lot of the players that we got, you know, were, were guys that came, I think comets have been a little bit less lucky the last few years when they've certainly got a lot of talent, but then, you know, I think last year, a bunch of guys left. Um, whereas we, we, we managed to get some guys and they, they, they stuck around. And so, you know, the last, uh, last couple of years, we've, we've just had a really core group and it's great when, it's great when, you know, like every week, I mean, you know what it's like coaching a team, Jason, it's every week you're wondering, you know, am I going to get enough guys out there? Um, and when you, you just know week on week, these guys are going to show up and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be good. And the, the guys who've been coming to training and the guys who know what they're doing, then it just, it makes everything else a lot easier. So I was uh, I was wondering who's the unsung superstar on your team? I mean, everyone's got the, the 
the the awards here and there, but I mean, uh, who, who's the one person that you've really seen in the five years you play that, that maybe come from nothing and and has really turned their thing around, or it just you know shows up day in day out, and you can see the hard work being put in. Yeah, we have a, we have a bunch of guys who who are like that. Um, you know, we've got guys like Chris Young who've been coming like every week, and then you can see you can just see the improvements in their game. Um, but you know, we've got guys like um, Andy Sweeney, especially the last couple of years, has really come on. Um, you know, you really notice it in his hitting, especially that this guy's like, you know, there are times during the season this guy's like a middle of the order bat for you. This guy's just just crushing the ball. Um, uh, Ali Hayes, the guy who just and he, he he shows up every week. You know, he 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 works hard, and now he's the kind of guy you just you can just put out there and you know, you know you know this guy can give you a full game and he'll give you give you a great game. Um, the last couple of years, though, Elvis has been an amazing addition for us. This is a guy who is, um, I think he joined three years ago, and he was, um, you know, young. I think I think he he had played in uh, Lithuania, and he and he came came along, and he was just, you know, you know, re- really, you know, young, fast. He kind of gave gave us a kind of type of game we didn't really have in terms of speed, and this guy's just been able to do everything for us. He you know he's five tools. He can hit. I think he had a home run this year. You know, he suddenly got power. He can run. He can he can certainly pitch for us. So he's a guy I think who who I thought at the beginning of the year, you know, he 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 might be our MVP, and you know, he certainly turned he certainly put in an amazing season for us. Oh, that, that's that's great to hear. I mean, that was always one of the great things um, about watching the guys come in and out and see that improvement. And and you know, uh, it's easy for us at being you know American. Uh, you know, we played at five years old. You know, we we've, we've got forty years experience behind us. Uh, and just see the guys now be able to go and do it, and then know in a year or two that they're they're you know they're doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and it was good just to see like four or five of these rookies come along this year, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how they um how they develop their game next year because all of them took huge step forwards this year, um, and I think it'll be great you know next year when we have them back because um, you know that's that's what the game's all about here in Scotland. It's about trying to develop the game and try to widen participation and right now the best way we can do that is is um is to you know just make the game as accessible as possible for people yeah couldn't agree more i mean that, that was always the goal is just to get more and more people playing there um i mean i'm i'm always amazed to see the league's growing every year I said, yeah now with another dundee you know i mean to have eight teams next year will, will be you know, incredible thinking back that when we started this in 2008 there was four teams and so we doubled it in 12 years time which is amazing yeah that is great um and i think you know i was surprised here because baseball's obviously not a top sport here um it's it's you know really underground a, a little bit but when you just scratch the surface a bit and you start to talk to people here about baseball suddenly everyone's got a bit of an interest in it you know you don't have to go too far till somebody you know has either been to the states and watched games or remembers watching games on channel five and they had a team back then, and, and you suddenly realize there's a lot of interest in baseball if, if you know, you can get the word out. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really optimistic about um, we're starting our indoor training, and we're going to really promote that over the next few weeks and see if we can, you know, get, get you know, a whole new group of people on board. So now let's move then, John, to this past season. Um, were there any new challenges that you had to face this year outside of the usual rotating players in and out and giving, making sure everyone has the right amount of playing time over the course of the 18 games? Um, were there any new challenges that you had to face this year that have maybe developed from 
the last two seasons when you won the league also. Obviously, you're, you're thrice defending champions at this point. Um, do you still find yourself running into new challenges every year? I mean, yeah, there are, you know, new challenges every year that, that, that crop up. Um, you know, I, I think one of the, the biggest challenges we had in the beginning of the year, especially, was that uh, we started the season, re- we started the indoor training a bit late. We didn't start until, I think, yeah, February. Yeah, early February, so, I believe, yeah. Yeah, and so we definitely were showing a bit of rust kind of early in the season. Um, I think definitely in the field, especially because guys maybe just didn't, have as many opportunities to get all the repetitions in. And so you were noticing it a little bit early in the season that we were a little bit mm-hmm. rusty, but, you know, as the season went on that, that kind of evened itself out. And, uh, you know, I think other teams were the same way though. I think, you know, that probably wasn't unique to us, but, you know, as the season got going and, and we started to get more regular, uh, especially out, you know, outdoor practices, I think that kind of took care of itself. And I think by the end of the season, we were, we were pretty sharp, especially in the field. Um, Besides that, I think it was a it was a longer season this year. I think it was eighteen games. It's been is it, I don't know if that was I forget if that was new this year. If that was if it's been eighteen the last I couple think of years, it, but it did. I it think did it was sixteen the past couple of years, and it's been it's it's gone yeah. up to eighteen with the addition of the express. That's right. Yeah. And so I did I I did notice it at the end that that the sea I was I was maybe extra tired at the end of the season because it had been a long season, and we. And I think we had these kind of gaps in the middle of the season where we didn't play for maybe three or four weeks because of the timing of like the London series and the I think the the Kent tournament. We took some time off, so just kind of getting into that rhythm was kind of kind of a challenge as well, especially like with guys who maybe hadn't seen a lot of playing time and then they sort of played for a while and then then didn't play for like three or four weeks. And just trying to keep guys kind of motivated over that time was a was a bit of a challenge. Um, but besides that, you know, we, I think. I think the you know the season went well. We we played pretty solid. Um, you know we 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 tend to you know play kind of within ourselves and just you know the game that we know how to play. And so we just kind of went out there pretty confidently each each week. You know when you've got when you got like a guy like Luke who you know can take the mound most of the weeks for you. You know you're going to go through a bit of confidence thinking you can win. Yeah, um, I can attest to him being a formidable pitcher to face uh, over yeah. the course of a season. Um, I was. Uh, it was a shame we never got to face Sam. I think that that would have been a great game. Yeah, um, if been we, a good match. Could have seen there. Could have faced Sam. That never. That never. That didn't seem to happen. I think early in the season we just happened to get him on a week when he was away. The cannons on a week when he was away, and then he was gone by the time we played our doubleheader against them. So, in fact, I think he was injured by that time. Yeah, I think that he, I think he was injured uh, right before you guys were supposed to play him. But it was a shame. It would have been a great pitching matchup. Uh, it would have been not many hits for that game. Do you have any personal highlights from this past season, John, as a player or as a coach, uh, just in general? Um, there were a few. Yeah, there were a few highlights. I think you know, winning, winning the cup was great because we didn't do that. I know it's only been around for two years, but we didn't do that last year, which was a disappointment. Even though we had a great season uh, last year, I think um, lo- losing the cup was especially to the Devils because the Devils has always been a bit of our nemesis for the last. You know, when I first started playing, we we were second place to them for the first two seasons, um, and we would always play really, really close games against them. Uh, and I think losing again to them in in the um, in the cup was was kind of tough. Although we had, we did win the season and we were really really happy with that two years ago. So this year, winning winning both cups was really good. You know that's something that we are really proud of as a team. 
Um, but also just trying to try seeing seeing some of the guys improve. Um, and um, we we got our you know the first female player, um, Fiona joined this year too, and seeing her go up and take some confident swings and getting a hit that was really good too. Um, because um, that's something I know we want to do as a league is is encourage more women into the league. So that was that was brilliant. Um, but you know besides that, seeing one of the things that was kind of a um, you know, a proud moment, but a difficult one was that I lost my catcher's position to, uh, to Jacob, Jacob, Jacob took over as catcher, which I think is probably a good thing for me because I think at, uh, at my age, it's probably about, about time to, to, to hang up the, uh, hang up the old shin guards. I hadn't realized um, you, you'd but put down the seeing, seeing him excel. Like he, he, he's one of these guys. He came, he said he came two years ago and he came, you know, I think, you know, he had played since he was like a teenager. And he came and he was, you know, definitely raw and definitely knew how to play the game. But um, over the over the offseason, he worked a lot in his swing and he came to all the training and he showed up just, you know, phenomenal. Um, you know, he, he was, at, in my mind, he was in the run for the MVP with, you know, the kind of numbers he was putting up and what he was doing for us, like on defense, because he turned into, in my opinion, you know, one of the best catchers in the league. Um, so hopefully going forward, that, you know, first base is looking attractive to me now. <laughs> Um, you mentioned age and giving up the catcher's position. How many more years do you see yourself playing before you kind of either transition out of baseball and into a full-time managing role? So, guys, we lost Mr. Tafe there for a moment, uh, but he has now mercifully come back on. Uh, John, you were talking about um, how many years you still have left in the tank, more or less, as a player? Yeah, yeah. I think I was just saying that I'm. I'd like to keep playing as long as I can. You know, as long as I as I as I, you know, can keep contributing, I'll, I'll probably try to keep playing. Um, but as I said, I don't know how much longer I'll be able to catch. Um, that uh, that first base is looking really attractive right now. So um, it might it might be that I, I have to go over there. And I, I like first base. You can, you know, sit there, have chats with people. And, you know, it, it's not quite as intense as having a catch. And, so, um, And do you see managing the... Galaxy as your long-term future? Do you see that being something that you'll be stuck in with uh, long beyond your playing career? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fun. You know, it's been fun to get back into baseball. Um, you know, even just being around guys and talking about baseball is good because I've been in Scotland for 20 years, 22 years, and um, I only started playing again uh, five years ago. And you don't really get to chat a lot about baseball just in everyday everyday life you like you would back home so it's good to just on a daily basis you know hang around guys so yeah i'll definitely see myself staying involved in the club um you know moving forward for sure so that means we'll see you on the sidelines connie max style in a suit you know you better believe it yeah yeah <laughs> better believe it yeah now i know that jason wanted to close up with uh, one non-scottish baseball related question Okay. Yeah. So uh, obviously, uh, you went down and watched the London series and, and saw the, your your Red Sox play. Um, uh-huh. Did you enjoy the experience? And are you going to go uh, next year? So I did enjoy it. I also I had family come over. Like we're crazy diehard Red Sox fans. So I had a lot of family come over. Um, I was man- managed to convince them to come over and spend tons of money to watch the Red Sox play over here. Um, so I had like five five brothers and sisters come over and, and we and we got tickets and we went to both games and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience for sure. Um, 
for me, the games, I think, as everyone said, the games were not great. Um, they weren't like they, you know, they were they were really crazy high scoring games. Um, obviously, the Red Sox lost both that, that. But that didn't really ruin the experience so much. You know, it wasn't it just, you know, two games. They happen to lose those games. It, it happens. Um, I'm, I'm still on the fence as to whether I'm going to go again. Um, I don't know. I, it, it, it was a great. It was a, it was a good experience and it was good to go see all the kind of fanfare around it. Um, it didn't really feel like a baseball game. That's, that's, that's kind of how I felt. Felt more like an exhibition game. And to be honest, if, if it was a pure exhibition game, that might even make more sense. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think it's been a, a common discussion with most people I've talked about. Said, you know, it was great they came over there, loved it. That was sure as fun, but it did yeah. exhibition game. So, um, no, we were just, it's a tough one. I mean, with Yankees, Red Sox, you have so much history. Um, and yeah. people are diehard for it. And, you know, there's definitely diehard Cubs fans and, and Cardinals fans, but um, just not seeing the interest in it this coming season that like we did previously. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it, w- it was really fun walking around London, seeing millions of people in Red Sox stuff. Um, you know, you usually do see Yankees hats a lot anyway, but seeing just tons and tons of people walking around in Red Sox stuff was fun for me as a Red Sox fan. Um, typically, when you see it, you have to go up and talk to them. But, you know, in this case, it was a bit out of control because <laughs> it just seemed like all of London. I don't know how you guys thought, but it just seemed like all of London was just covered in, in Red Sox gear. Um but I, I mean, I think when it comes to it, when it gets closer to it, it I, I don't think these are selling out the way it was before. Before I was in a mad panic to get tickets. What I might just do is wait till closer to it, and then maybe get, maybe get some tickets and you know go down for one of the games as opposed to making a whole kind of long weekend out of it like I did yeah. before. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people thinking the same thing that they'll, they'll wait, see what happens there, find someone's place to crash out, and get the tickets cheap, and then just go for the yeah, games. Yeah. yeah. Well, they got that whole. I'm assuming they still got that whole stadium they can put up again. So they're gonna they're gonna do something with it, and I'm assuming they'll keep doing these going forward. I think it is a great it is a great thing to do, um, and it's a great exhibition of 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 baseball over here in Europe. Um, but I just think you know I think I think the way they did it there, I think maybe it was too much. It was too maybe a bit over the top with the fanfare and the exhibition, and you know may, maybe if they get a couple games that they're maybe closer and more competitive. Um, and not just you know, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> these super high scoring games. It might it might be a better exhibition of, of baseball. Exactly. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I I, I follow the the Red Sox uh, organist on uh, Instagram, and uh, I asked him if he was invited to go and and, and play the organist over uh, for the games, and he said no, he was not invited. So I thought that was interesting. Right. I mean, they did a lot of things in the park that you wouldn't see in a Red Sox Yankees park you know with the, the races and the and the the, the quizzes and the, and i get it it was it was there to be an exciting thing for even uh non-baseball fans but i think where they maybe got it wrong is most of the people who were showing up were pretty good baseball yeah. fans you know who who bothered to to come out to something like that so maybe maybe they'll learn a little bit about that and that you know they don't have to have these ridiculous quizzes about what's a stolen base <laughs> yes. that on the things i think the, i think the people who are going to bother to come to something like this probably know the game baseball already stuff like that i think they yeah. but it was i mean 
sounds like a moan, but it was it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, no, awesome. exactly. I, I'd say everyone's come like that. It was like, yeah, little things here and there, and, and you understand you've got to have the the people with new interest have to you know learn about stuff there. But you know, I I think you're right. Most people that went knew baseball and you were coming because you know it was your opportunity to see baseball live in Europe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so just to finish up, then, John, a uh, quick question: If you had to choose, which would you say is your favorite um, of the achievements? Three straight titles or winning the double? Um, probably, probably the three straight titles. You know, that's just because it involves more games. You know, I think, and I think that's been like I, I kind of started with a testament to the commitment guys have had over the years. Um, you know, the, winning the Caldwin Cup's great. You know, we, we managed to kind of pull it together for the postseason this year. Um, but I think, you know, winning, winning the three state, straight titles has been, has been fantastic. And I think, uh, I think um, you know, we're going to – we got every intention to try to do it again. So we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. And what do you see as the keys to, to four in a row? Um, probably – I mean, it is, it's simple stuff. It's pitching and defense, you know. I think – you know, I think if we if we can continue to focus on those types of things, those little things that win games, I think what's great is we we now have guys where we can take it to the next level. We can start talking about doing things that are a little bit more complex than just trying to focus on the basics. Um, and when you get to that point, I think that's when you when you can really start to make the games, you know, more fun. You can start to get guys to really think about the game, you know, a little deeper. And we can we can, you know, hopefully take advantage of those things on the field. Um, you know, it all, a lot of it comes down to pitching too. You know, if we can get, if we can get our pitching depth back, um, and, and guys, you know, showing up and training and, um, everybody else, you know, taking it seriously like they have been, I think, I think we'll, we'll be in with a That's shot. That's great, John. Um, there's nothing more from me, Jason. You wanted to say something? I would just say, wish you best of luck next season. It's, uh, four hasn't been done yet. Three has been done twice. So, um, all right. The- hey, I'll say that. You just you just gave me one more. <laughs> so, yeah, so you know, uh, yeah, so the Canada's done it for three years, uh, the Devils have done it for three years, and then, of course you guys have done three now. So now, so you you'll be going for the fourth, and you guys now break that uh, break that tie. Cool. All Sounds the best good. for the twenty twenty season, John, for you and the guys. Um, All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. So uh, thanks again to John Tafe of the Glasgow Galaxy for joining us. Uh, fantastic chat, I thought, Jason. Yeah, it was great. John's always uh, a good person to talk to. He's, he's well-rounded, knows, knows the sport inside and out, and, and it's great to hear that he's uh, developing things out, out that way and the team is doing well because of it. Yeah, certainly the uh, the light blue side of Glasgow, um, <laughs> where my heart belongs and always will belong. Um, but I think the strides that, that the Galaxy have taken under Tafe have uh, been outstanding, and um, you couldn't ask for a better steward for baseball in Glasgow. Exactly. No, yeah. um, so let's wrap it up for the for this week's edition and for the season. Um, what have you got first off for us uh, on this day in baseball this week? So uh, this day being was it the twenty first today? I don't even know. It's, I think uh, it's today December. was the twenty second. Twenty second. So the twenty second December uh, nineteen eighty, uh, the Red Sox uh, failed to send out some key paperwork. Uh, they were two days late sending the contracts to Fred Lind and Carlton Fisk. And by doing so, uh, they became free agents. So uh, Carlton Fisk immediately signed with the White Sox and Fred Lind ended up being traded to the California Angels back in the day. So, <laughs> I'm sure that renowned Red Sox fan John Tafe will love that. <laughs> 
So if that's anything to do, get your paperwork done on time because it does have repercussions. So, so even when I'm picking, uh, even when I'm picking non-Yankee days, I'm still beating up on those Red Sox. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't had any Yankee ones lately. I don't think, other than uh, I think yesterday, uh, Yankee phenom Brian, Brian, Brian Taylor. Um, he he was uh, the number one pick in like 1991. Got into his bar fight and ruined his left shoulder, and that was the end of his career. That's right. I think that was the last time we did the show. You that one was. Yes. <laughs> so, so we we haven't had too many Yankee mishaps. So where can listeners um, find these on this day posts of yours? So yeah, if you look on Instagram, I'm on Bubba on Baseball. Um, I'll be hitting up Twitter come new the new year, and of course we're on Facebook as well too. So. And certainly, if you want to listen to the show, and why wouldn't you? You can listen to the show at uh, anchor.fm slash caps and pipes or search the show on any podcast provider of your choosing. Um, now, if you are listening on Anchor, please do leave us a voice message. Let us know which team in both the major leagues and also the Scottish baseball leagues uh, that you're going to be rooting for in 2020. Um, and we'll play them on the show when we come back next year. Uh, I hope you guys have happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm saying uh, goodbye from Sweden. Oh, yeah. Enjoy the rest of your time away. And I hope you have a safe trip back uh, with the family. And uh, I have uh, now re entered the world of Twitter myself. I've created a new Twitter account just for this show. It's John Caps Pipes on Twitter. Um, you can find this show on Facebook at Caps and Pipes. We have, uh, obviously, as we've mentioned before, Jason, this first few episodes we've been kind of running a trial run a pilot run if you will um so this first season's been kind of condensed we didn't start until kind of i think late august ish um when the season was more or less already wrapped up again uh thanks to all of our guests uh, that we've had on so far jacob and john of the uh, galaxy ruri and ren of the cannons and also the league president, um, Paul Convoy, who joined us last time on the show. Uh, thanks to anyone who's listened, and we hope that you'll join us again in 2020 as we try and grow the sport of baseball in Scotland and beyond. Um, that's it for me for now. Uh, happy holidays or Merry Christmas to everyone, and uh, we'll see you in the new year. Yes. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to all you guys. It's been great fun, Jason, and I shall catch you in the new year. Bye Thank for now. Bye.